Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 536. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to share an awesome guest going back to the roots with an amazing non-traditional story for you. We're going to talk to Latasha here in a second. But before we jump in, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know, as we're recording this, it's the end of June. We are about six months away already. It's crazy from January, uh, which is kind of the big time frame to start taking the MCAT for next application cycle. And did you know that Blueprint MCAT has some six-month courses specifically made for that purpose? Go check them out over at blueprintmcat.com. And while you're over there, go create a free account where you can get access to their amazing study planner tool all for free so you can plan out what that six months may look like. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to Latasha, who's a 41-year-old fourth-year medical student who's juggling being a spouse, being a parent, being a med student, all at the same time. Latasha, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I love talking to non-trads. I think that's what built this podcast way, way back um, 11 years ago now just talking to and finding amazing non-trads who have great stories and why they're on this crazy journey to become a physician. So let's start with your journey. When did you realize that you're like, hmm, I have this life, I have this career, but um, I think I might want to go to medical school? I think that um, as I was a professor um, in a biology department. I was teaching a lot of pre-medical students, and <laughs> those crazy, um, crazy kids. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pre, I'm teaching these kids, and I'm realizing that I, you know, I want to go further than where I am. I also want to go to the next level with them, and then I think it also kind of just reignited some things. I think I've possibly always known. I think I just kind of didn't think I could. 
until I got to that level and was just kind of tired of not trying. And yeah. I just decided enough was enough. I think that's really it. Let, well, let's let's rewind even further then. Why why do you think you've always known? What what happened? Uh, li- little Latasha back in the day, what, what made you interested potentially in medicine? So I've always been, I guess, like a science nerd. I say nerd, never felt like I was a geek. Yeah. Um, but um, I That's remember a very my contentious nice- <laughs> language out there, the geeks and the nerds. Like, I don't want to be confused with the other one. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, in ninth grade, I had I had my first biology class and I remember loving it so much. Um, but I think that at the time, just coming, I'm a first generation student. So coming from a really working class family, I think going into college, I just chose something that was safe. So um, I just, I've always loved the anatomy and physiologies in high school. I loved my chemistry class. Physics was just amazing to me. So the natural sciences were something that I liked, but I think I was just afraid. I didn't really know what to do with it. I wasn't really sure if that was an option for someone who looked like me or who grew up poor like me. So I think I just told myself, you know, find something else. And I think I tried as long as I could. Yeah. To find something else. And then eventually you couldn't anymore. And you, you finally yeah. decided that that representation angle, I, I don't know how many times I can mention it on this podcast or how many times it comes up on this podcast of uh, whether a black student, a Muslim student, a Orthodox Jewish student, uh, whatever uh, race, creed, color, religion, background, whatever of a student saying, I've never seen someone like me in that role. Therefore, I guess it's not possible. And like mm-hmm. we're out here crushing dreams without realizing it. And And it's incredible the amount of people that I talk to that are like, Finally, at, at at 30, whatever years old, I, I worked up the courage or I finally, with the advent of social media and the internet, I've been able to see more people who look like me who are in these positions that I've always thought weren't accessible to me. And and here you are. What What was it that eventually led you to go, okay, now's the time? I think that... Um, So I had my master's in physiology. Mm -hmm. I loved teaching the anatomy and physiology part. I loved teaching, you know, getting my kids ready for their programs. I had students who came back, you know, when they were in their nursing programs or their PA programs asking me for help. And I enjoyed helping them learn specific parts. Um, And I just realized that there was a need for me in this field. And what do I mean by that? So like as an educator, I've always chosen uh, underrepresented or, you know, the the tougher school systems where you want to, you know, where I taught. That was one of the draws to community college. These are students who have decided, you know, I'm going to push forward despite life. And and my students were so like amazing to me. So I helped them like change trajectory for their life. But I realized that it didn't allow me the ability to take physically help and change life. And with medicine, it gives me that ability and not just the physical and ability, but more so of having someone that you know and that you trust and that you'll listen to. So I can educate them as a physician, but I also know the stuff that I'm supposed to know to be able to educate these people on like changing their lives and then taking that information and giving it to their families. Because that's usually what happens in these types of communities is that I'm going to trust somebody I know 
over my doctor. So I just felt like the impact that I could give on the population that I think has just always been my population Mm -hmm. is so much vast as a physician. And then I realized that I want to be a doctor and why not? So I think it was just the, the timing of I'm at a spot in my career where you need to go get a PhD or you need to get, you know, get your MD. And I think in thinking back and forth between them, the MD just outweighed it for me because yeah. it's something I always wanted. And it just gave me the ability to do the things that I feel like I've been called to do. If that yeah. makes sense. Makes complete sense. You're you're not a young 20 something <laughs> student with zero ish responsibilities. You have a spouse and kids mm-hmm. and uh, uh, bills and other stuff. There's a lot of uh, of consequences, right? Negative and positive consequences to you making this decision. I'm uh, I'm assuming it wasn't a unilateral. You you come home one day and put your stake in the ground and go. I'm going to med school. I don't care what anyone says. How do you broach those conversations with family? Um, honestly, I think my husband was my biggest uh, supporter. He pushed me to go. I think I've said it for years and we kind of talked about, we'll take a few extra classes or get yourself a little clinical or start a little, you know, volunteering. And I think he just kind of pushed, like, we just, we'll figure it out. And so once we decided that we were going to do that, um, we're also a military family. So we set our kids down and we talked to them about what that would look like. And honestly, I think it's a blessing. We're a military family because they kind of understand it. So we kind of just let them know that mommy's thinking of deploying. So I'm going to deploy. So I won't be here as much um, as I have been. And we kind of just, I felt like I needed my entire family, my husband, my kids to give me the okay. And I felt like all of them were like, what do you, what do you mean? Of course, go do it, you know? So the hesitancy was me, but um, I think that was the bigger piece was just my husband making me, you know, sit down and we created a plan and we worked our plan. It's all, it's all well and good to have those initial discussions where everything is theoretical Mm -hmm. and then finals during your, your, post back years or what classes before you you go to medical school what was the the challenge there of actually being a pre-med student going back to school taking classes potentially or, or maybe you had most of your classes because because you were a professor um but but those initial actual real life challenges of the the poll of of your spouse saying hey I want to go to dinner or the kids saying hey come to my event and you're like Got I have I have the, I have studied for the MCAT. I'm sorry. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's harder. You know, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so you know, at first it's like let's get it, and there were many tearful days and tearful nights. Um, I think that I just continue to ask my support system to remind me of my why. So when I felt like that, I had people to continue encouraging me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we continued a lot of open communication, um, which has just been something that we do in our family so that the kids can talk about being disappointed. Um, and I also felt like I had to become a better time manager. Um, so I had to be more meticulous with my time and my priorities. So the free time that I had had and have now, it goes to my husband and my kids because that's who I want to spend that time with. And I try my best to make it as best, I guess, like a quality time um, because I know I don't have the quantity that I had before. So it was always just been trying to increase the quality of the time that I have with them. Um, 
a schedule that's probably crazy to somebody who, you know, has never done what what we're trying to do. Um, so just kind of very meticulous schedule, even scheduling in stop to call and check on a kid or stop to say, hey, did you do your homework? So literally scheduling life was, I think, what kind of helped me stay halfway sane because <laughs> let's be real it's it's a crazy process it's, yeah. it's a crazy process it's a very crazy process yeah so you're kind of mid-30s when you're making these decisions to to mm-hmm. go back to school take the MCAT apply to medical mm-hmm. school how much effort if you want to call it that went into trying to figure out financially if it was worth it or was that not a consideration? You're like, I want to be a doctor. It'll cost what it'll cost and whatever. Uh, definitely a consideration. <laughs> okay. um, definitely a consideration. Um, so my husband and I kind of, and part of the plan, it was our financial plan because I actually, before I started working, I got this huge jump in, in raise and I was the higher breadwinner at the time. So we knew that we were going with at least losing half of our income, but the same amount of mouths, you know, to feed. So um, our plan just kind of went with us going into, you know, getting bills paid down as much as we can, getting credit cards paid down as much as we can, saving as much as we can. So we did a lot of financial sacrificing during that time. Um, I was also able to kind of do like, you know, grab extra hours at the college if they had an extra class that someone needed. So I would teach the extra class. Um, uh, my husband, I guess, couldn't do that. He's a soldier. So, I mean, in, in any way that we could, you know, try to gather extra money, we did. So we were not opposed to taking on extra jobs, um, you know, side jobs, just so we could make sure that financially starting, it would be, um, I think more for our kids, it would be a lateral move for them in the financial piece of what they could do and what we normally do as a family. So I think that was a bigger piece of it. And then speaking with the school and financial aid and figuring out what that looks like for us, specifically because I am technically a commuter to school. Um, and so figuring out what that commute looks like, um, incorporating the prices and and costs for childcare, things that, you know, some med students don't have to think about. So my financial aid, uh, our director and advisor, she's been awesome at helping me to kind of figure all of that out too. So that has really just been like, you know, heaven sent for us. Yeah. Amazing. The, the question again, mid thirties career changer, uh, a lot of people would even doubt it's possible. Like what med school is going to take a chance on me versus a young 20 something year old who has 10 more years of, of working life potentially. It's always a big question. What gave you or who gave you the permission to say, I can do this. Do you remember seeking out that that permission or or that that permission probably isn't the right word, but just the the confidence that you could do this. Not from a I'm smart enough, not from a financial standpoint, but at my age, am I crazy? What's going on? Is this possible? Yeah. No, yeah, actually permission. Um so initially I got scared and I decided, well, maybe I'll go to PA school. It's okay. a shorter time. It'll be less money. Um, there are a few programs closer to the house. It'll be easier for everyone. Um, I started shadowing a um, physician, uh, a, a, a 
Y'all, he's MD. He's a family physician. And I started shadowing him as a future PA student mm-hmm. and shadowing him the first day and him asking me, you know, your soapbox of why PA school. After I gave him my, you know, what I could muster up, he was like, I don't believe it. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that that's true. And by the end of the day, you know, and then I kind of rolled out, well, no, because of my family or because of my kids and everything that I gave him, he was like, no, that doesn't matter. No, that doesn't matter. I like this so, guy. <laughs> um, yes. So after leaving that day, the very next um, week, I, 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 I shadowed with him for, you know, weekly. The next week when I went and he, you know, gave me the PA speech and I said, actually, I'm going to medical school. So I think it just took a physician. um, someone who I I trusted and someone who I respected to say that, no, that's not true. And I had classmates who had children and I had classmates who commuted and I had classmates who had to go. So everything that I threw out as a, I couldn't, he told me I could. And I think it was the permission that I think I needed. I love it. I love it. What was the hardest part about being a, a, a career changer pre-med student? Um, I think it's like you said, the 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 fear of who wants this old lady, you know, <laughs> in their the med school. Um, I think that was the hardest part was probably pushing myself through the doubt because the doubt did not leave. Um, and I think it's still something that, you know, you struggle with because you're older mm-hmm. uh, than, you know, a lot of the traditional students. So. I think it's just pushing through the doubt. It's probably the hardest part. Um, I feel like that's probably the hardest part for me. Yeah. When it came time to figuring out this path and and figuring out medical school applications, when when you're working on your applications and you're trying to cram this whole life that you had into 5300 characters on your on your application what was what was hard about that and how did how did you go about finding resources and and crafting your story for your applications okay so this is why this is like completely 360 and amazing that i'm sitting here I feel like the reason that I made it to medical school, the reason why I knew what to do with my application was because of you. Um, I found the Facebook page and I remember you um, were writing to someone and then you said, hey, you should try out, look at my, go through my podcast. I started listening to your MCAT podcast. I started listening to these pre-med podcasts and literally it taught me what to do in the process. (laughs) Um, I got your book. It helped me to write my personal statement. I, it literally, it's just so, I don't know. So when I got the email that like I could talk to you, it was just <laughs> amazing. It's just full circle. Like, yeah, like you, you are the reason. I had no committee, had no friends who've done this. I hadn't, I didn't have a tie with the school because I'd been out of school for six years. So I just didn't know what to do. And I just bumped my way around and you were a, you were godsend. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, make me cry. <laughs> I know. I don't know what it feels like for me, but it, that like, seriously, it was you like, it was you. And I thank you for putting those resources out there for people like me who just didn't know. All I know is I know I wanted to do it. And just thank you. That Just thank you. So, you're you're yeah. welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. All right, we're both crying. All right. Um, let's, let's rock and roll. So <laughs> um, the uh, 
I mean, this journey's crazy, right? And and finding the advice and finding the permission and 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 all of that stuff is is crazy. It's expensive. It's ridiculous. When you finally submitted your application, what did that feel like? Uh, I think it was just a huge accomplishment. And then it's that pre-med thing where, you know, it's medicine. You you get that one accomplishment and the next mountain just like slides into place. So I think it's like, yes, deep breath. And then, oh no, next mountain's coming. So I think that's kind of just, yeah. Yeah. It's but crazy it's, accomplished, yeah. like tears of winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tears of, oh, there goes the money. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was gone by then. (laughs) When you you talk about your family, you you have kids, again, uh, uh, a husband who's in the military. Is he active, reserve, guard? He's active. He's active. Let's talk about that for a second, because that is a tricky thing to to figure out. Um, I've talked to lots of military spouses who it's typically the, the woman who I'm talking to the wife and the the husband is in the military and they're like, he's 10 years in, he's got 10 more. I want to apply to med school. I'm like, are you willing to live apart? No, then you shouldn't apply to med school. How are those conversations like, or is, is your husband like where he's stationed? He's pretty solid there for many years and and you know, you're not going to, he's not going to, be be reassigned to another base and have to leave you in, in med school? Well, <laughs> my <laughs> husband is uh, pretty stationary okay. uh, at our home, our home. However, there's no medical school there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that was our conversation with our kids about mom would have to deploy. Mm-hmm. So we had to have the conversation about being comfortable living apart. It's not yeah. like it's not something we haven't done. Yeah. Um, my husband deploys quite often. So I don't think deployment is anything or living apart is anything that we haven't been able to do. So we just kind of knew that if that was an option, it's something that we take on. Um, currently, through in the week, I, my medical school is an hour and 40 minutes from my my home. Mm-hmm. So um, now we, we have a place there that I go to during the week or, um, you know, whenever I need to stay multiple nights and, you know, every Friday I come home or during the week, like today we got an extra day and I ran home. So, you know, whenever I can, I run here. Um, so yeah, we, we do live apart and we feel that our military history is what makes it okay for us. So I don't know. I think for middle military women or, you know, wives or spouses who are thinking about it. I think it's something to think about, you know, it's more of just reframing your mind. It's just another deployment and it sucks, but you learn to kind of do the best that you can in that situation. Yeah. Do you feel like your medical school experience is hindered or hurt by the fact that you're leaving campus on a Friday afternoon and not coming back and, and missing out on some of that, community building that that maybe your classmates are participating in it is it is um i think during step one it hit me the most um but yeah it 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 really is i don't have a innate group um 
there. I feel like overall my class is very supportive. Most of them know, you know, my situation. Um, so they're helpful whenever I ask questions, someone, you know, hey, this is a resource I know about. So it works. But just the natural like community that you would have for someone to maybe give you an idea of how they've learned something because you're just talking, you know, in your hangout time. I don't really have that. And so that is something that I do miss out of. I don't think that like some of the my colleagues or some of, you know, the mentors that I have when they talk about their, you know, college, uh, you know, med school buddies or med school family, lifelong friends. I don't really know if I'll have some of those. I feel like I'll have, you know, colleagues that I'll definitely respect and who will respect me. But like lifelong friends, I'm not really sure because I don't have the time to, you know, foster those relationships. Because, again, the free time that I have. Am I going to go hang out, you know, with everybody afterwards or am I going to go and try to make sure that my kids see me because they haven't seen me all week? So, yeah, yeah, I I do think it is a negative thing, but I don't. Yeah, it's you're still still getting through, still making it happen. That's that's what matters. When you look forward to um, into your future, into residency. How have those conversations gone? Because uh, a lot of times students are applying to residencies all over the country. Um, do you do you have a specialty in mind yet? All right, let's let's start with there. I do right now. Um, adult neuro is where I want to go. Okay, and you are going to match next year, twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah. So, so you have some time. Figure it out. My wife's a neurologist. If you need some some help, some motivation, some mentorship, uh, I'll I'll volunteer her uh, for you. The <laughs> um that process, right? Finding a, a neurology program that uh, you can match at. What are, what are those conversations like? Unless your your husband's getting out of the military in the next <laughs> six months, eight months. Yeah. Um, no, be not. Yeah. What, <laughs> I what wish, are, but no. What are those um, conversations yeah. like? <laughs> yeah, I think I, my husband is the, you know, like the the ones you spoke to where he's finishing up those years and it mm-hmm. would be silly for him to stop. He's so close to retirement, you know, yeah. in the next, you know, less than 10 years. So, um, no, we, we have the conversation because there are only three neuro programs in my state. Yeah. So um, it limits. Um, where we can go. And I've spoken with my, you know, the student affairs and and, and Dr. Bright about, you know, my net not being as wide just personally, because I don't want to be as far from my kids as possible, because my husband and I have decided that it's best for our kids to stay stable. So even during his deployments, I was the stable one for them to remain stable. And my kids are getting into high school. So I just don't think it's fair to say, hey, I know it's your junior year, your senior year. Let's just pick up and you figure it out for the last two years. So, um, yeah, so we've talked about it. And it is something that I I definitely have anxieties about, but I am speaking about them. I am widening my net. Um, I'm opening up possibilities to possibly being closer to other family. Um, I'm looking at larger cities that have great airports. And so I can fly home and that way I'll have more time flying versus um, driving. It's something we talk to the kids about. So it's kind of like we're all just trying to prepare for, we're hoping for the best that I'm because my top choice actually is in our state. So we're hoping for the best, but, you know, trying to prepare for other options. Yeah. Because I, I want I to be a neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a huge fan of networking and building that network and communicating with those people. Have you started to do that with these programs to say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be showing up next year in your applicant pile. Here's my situation. Here's my story. Um, maybe trying to set up audition rotations, away rotations at these specific programs. Have you been trying to do that knowing that best case scenario with with as limited choices you have you have these three choices how how much are you you going out and trying everything you can for these three programs that are in your state or are you is your personality more kind of laid back and what'll happen what is what'll happen um, I try to be what, what will happen will happen. Um, and overall, I know that that's the answer, but I am, I, I do have, I am awaiting for the AI, um, the audition to open up in my top choice so that I can go there. Um, I think when you, you ask about like letting them know my situation, I honestly am, I'm very, I don't know, hesitant sometimes because I don't know how, um, it's something that myself and some other like parents and, and and spouses we talk about. You know, I'm not sure how receptive some schools may be to you know. Hey, I'm I have these you know I don't know baggages. I don't know how they're <laughs> looked at all the time. You know, yeah. so um, I don't know. I think that reaching out to them is something that I try to do. Their second, you know, their first looks and things like that. I I, I try my best to to stay up on. Um, I'm going to try to get the electives and the AIs, you know, as our time, my time, my little bit of time permits, because I really only have until August now. So, I mean, I'm trying to do those things and I guess what will be, will be. You know? Yeah. Med, med school is, uh, we, we talked a little bit about being a pre-med student, MCAT stuff and, and hanging with family. Med school is a completely different beast. Uh, obviously, rotations. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they want you there on weekends, and and so mm -hmm. you're you're dealing with that. The kids, I, I think the the spouse stuff always is is hard. But kids who are younger, young teenagers, uh, that that's the rebellious phase, and and mom mom hates us, and mom whatever stories they want to tell themselves. How do you make sure that that they are okay through this process? Um, I think for me, it's important just to continue to check in with them. Mm -hmm. um, mom is still the one who every Monday gets everybody's progress report. So everybody <laughs> gets the, your grades look here. You better get this up by Friday. So um, I'm still, I still try to make sure that they know that I'm, I'm still aware of what's going on if I'm not physically there. Um, and then I just like to sit with them. So um, I just want to sit. I just want to talk about what's going on. If, you know, my husband tells me about something that's happening, I make sure that I'm physically checking in as well. Um, you know, we try to do dates. My husband and I have always done dates with our kids. So, you know, I try to do dates with them. Um, I just try to give them the okay to be not okay with me or not okay with our situation yeah. because it's not fair to them. And I do understand that, you know, so I give them the voice to say that. And we talk about the fact that if they need someone else to talk to, that I'm willing to put that into place as well. So I just try to be open about it and try not to make them feel bad about anything they may feel because yeah. you deserve to have your mom around. Uh, I love that. I, I try to voice that. I, 
with my kids, like you're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be angry. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to hit me. <laughs> right. My, right. My, my, my kids are nine and four. So they're still in the hitting phase when they get mad. Right. I'm like, I'm not telling you not to be angry. You can be angry. Just don't hit me. That's not okay. Right. Um, I, I have to assume there are times where, where you question if all of this is worth it. Mm-hmm. What do you do in I those do. moments? Um, I, I think I, I my go-to, my husband is a lot of my rock, I have to say. Um, I tend to be everybody else's and he kind of holds me. So I kind of go to him and it's always like, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'll give them the, this, this thing happened with the kids or this thing happened with family, you know? And it's like, I just don't know if it's worth it. Maybe I should just, you know, put it. And he's the no. And he reminds me of my wives and he reminds me of the people and the places and the things that I'm supposed to be touching and that I have to push through this in order to do it. Sometimes I talk to the kids about, you know, um, you know, just how hard sometimes it is for me and that sometimes I don't want to leave them. And they can sometimes say, well, mommy, it's okay. You should go because usually my teens are trying to leave me to go be with their friends anyway. But it's just, you know, I just want to be there. So um, sometimes it's just them shooing me away makes me feel better. Um, But a lot of times it's just kind of talking it through with my husband or my best friends um, and and just kind of calling and letting somebody know I'm feeling that way. So I can you know, acknowledge what I feel, but then, you know, let the logic kick back in. And when I get back in those spaces and you get with those patients and someone says, thank you, or, you know, somebody who it seems like wasn't seen just me being there and saying, Hey, I think they need this. And then something happens that kind of changes the care of that person. Those things then remind me like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been treated differently at all during rotations because of your age? No, I don't think a lot of people know my age. Um, <laughs> I think the mask help a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I honestly, I don't know. I think it's more of when I say something about a teen or I say something about like the longevity of my marriage. And then people are like, well, how old are you? You know? So no, as long as I don't tell people, but then when I tell them, I'm always like, don't treat me differently. Don't, I'm not your mom. I'm still your classmate, you know? So, yeah. um, but overall, I don't think so. Cause I don't think they know just looking at me. Yeah. For the non-traditional student listening to this 30, 40, 50 year old student, I've had, I've had 50 plus year old students on this podcast. For the non-trad listening to this, debating, should I do this? Should I do that? Maybe PA school is better. It's shorter, right? Um, uh, having conversations with their family, maybe not getting as much support as you've gotten through this process. How do you, How? Wh- what can you say to them to encourage them, to motivate them, to to keep pushing them down this path if this is something they truly want? I think that, the biggest thing and the biggest thing I continuously tell myself is to, it's okay to choose you. You're not being selfish by choosing you. That's the bigger piece. By choosing me, it doesn't mean that I'm neglecting or I don't care about my husband or my kids. But what I want out of life and my dreams and my aspirations, they deserve to be fulfilled as well. And when I'm fulfilled as a person, I can be a better mom and I can be a better wife and I can be a better daughter and sister. Um, so I think that the bigger piece is for them to decide that they want to choose themselves. 
once you choose yourself, you notify those who are close to you about that choice and basically ask them where they can fit in because you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. And it's okay that you can't. And what I've realized is when I ask people, I'm getting so much more response than I ever thought I would. Um, so I, I think that's the bigger piece. Open your mouth, let people know what you're thinking and choose yourself because you deserve to be a doctor, not a PA if you don't want to be one. PAs are awesome. And I still love the, you know, some components of the job. But if you want to go to medical school, you go to medical school because it's for you. There's a reason why you're being called to it. All right. So there you have it again, Latasha, fourth year medical student just making it work, which is awesome. I had a great time talking to Latasha, hearing her story of resilience and determination and just doing what needs to be done. I loved her kind of analogy of mom's mom's deploying, right? Mom's going to be away just like dad deploys. And I think as a family, they're making it work. Communication is key to all of this. And so for all of you out there potentially thinking you can't do it because of one reason or another, hopefully this story of Latasha making it work is one that gives you some motivation, some encouragement that you can as well. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.